Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Manu. And this is It Came from the Newsstand, a podcast about comics, cards, collectibles, the nostalgia that comes with it from the perspective of two collectors who are also sellers. That's us. That's us. How you doing, my friend? I'm well. How are you? You know, I'm okay. A little bit of a bummer day, but hopefully, you know, something that will turn around from that. You want to talk about it? Yeah, it's just brief. I mean, by the time that our listeners hear this, maybe it gets resolved. But I was supposed to interview. I was. I don't like even using the word interview, but I was supposed to have a chat with legendary comic artist Bob Hall today. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of rounds of, well, a couple of rounds of back and forth and then one miscommunication, it was set to happen today and um, he didn't show up. I don't Tell me, tell me a little bit more. I know you told me briefly that he didn't show up, but give me some background on your communication with him or even like what kind of vibes you get from him. Well, we met at the Washington Summer Con and he is one of the co-creators of the West Coast Avengers. Mm-hmm. They're not as cool as the West Coast Dave Avengers. That's why, Dave, that's why he didn't show up. He's heard you say that before and he said, you know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we had been communicating via email and it's funny, he went to Europe a week before I went to Europe and then he came back. I came back. I was sick. Anyway, we had it set for the 28th, which is today, the day we're recording it Monday. And last week he mistakenly thought that we were doing it a week ago today. And I was like, no, it's next week. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I sent him the StreamYard link last night and no response this morning and was in there from one o'clock to one thirty in the afternoon. Uh, and he, wasn't there and so i emailed him and just said hope everything's okay yeah yeah top top of the list hope everything is all right yeah yeah he's he's a year older than my dad so he's he's 80 so you know i'm assuming that everything's okay maybe he just forgot i don't know and i'm not upset i'm just like i said i'm bummed because i i did a lot you know i'm i'm a little i'm a little bit of a novice when it comes to chatting with people on on a screen and doing this, you know, for the YouTube channel. All of the interviews I've done, save two, have been people I know personally. Oh really? I didn't I didn't know that. I figured a lot of these interviews were people you reached out to for the sake of it. No, no. Jim Rugg was the first person I reached out to that I got on the channel that I didn't have any previous relationship with or, you know, any conversational relationship with. And he said yes right away. And then a week and a half ago with Mark Wade, I had just met him at, at the summer con as well. Um, so yeah, they were they were my they were my first like people I don't know. And so I'm a, you know a little new at this. And I did a lot of research for Bob Hall because I'm familiar with who he is, but I'm not familiar with his work as much because a lot of it was 70s and 80s and like early 90s. And so, yeah, I watched a bunch of interviews. I, you know, read some stuff. I started thinking about things I wanted to talk about and I was super prepared to the point of, I pretty much had the conversation in my head twice in the last two days. (laughs) Damn, you were ready for it. It would have been no jitters once that record button got hit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a really nice guy. So that makes it even better. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, I'll hear from him and we'll reschedule, but now I just going to keep on chugging along and trying to reach out to people to get on the channel because I'm enjoying having conversations with people 
that I don't know. Um, it's a different side of the coin of what we're doing. Is this the first time that someone hasn't shown up for a scheduled interview or an appearance or anything like that? Um, other than like random friend here and there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Random friend is different, right? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't count. You know, yeah. Yeah. I can yell at them if I want to. So the energy earlier today, obviously you were preparing for this, you were anticipating. We were talking about this last night. We had, we had, um, there was a return of the Sunday sit down last night. Yeah. And yeah. so that was a good time. So thank you to all of our friends that were there. And uh, I hope everyone's enjoying episode nine of the podcast. Hey, Dave, this is episode 10, right? But I, so that's exciting. But I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? This is episode 9.9. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that <laughs> is because some people don't know there's an episode that got deleted. So it's like, this is 10, but not quite. So let's call it 9.9. .9. Oh, that would probably go the other way. That would make this 10.9, actually. 10.9 10 <laughs> or 10.1. Let's just say it's it's the honorary 9.9th episode, but it's really, we should be celebrating the fact that it's our 10th published episode that's big man that's yeah. actually super cool that's more than a few months of episodes coming out of our friends engaging with them and us uh continuing to do them and i think that's kind of ma major i was gonna say massive but major is better there yeah that that is major and, and the fact that you haven't tried to have me killed that you haven't walked away from me and called me the you know <laughs> like the worst person to record a podcast with that sometimes says stuff like well, I won't repeat it, but you know. <laughs> but you know what? I know I'm not really that hard to deal with. I can we're we're both hard to deal with in our own right, but yes, we can throw it away so that these these things can happen. And you know, this is the first I don't I know it's not yours. This is the first partnership I've ever had with somebody that's that's meant something big for me and that that I feel is has been successful. So thank you for that. Bro, are you trying to make me cry? What the? My goodness. Thank you for that. That's amazing, dude. Um, wow, that was hecka sweet. Uh, you know, the thing about that is, is like, you know, when you said like, I'm surprised you're having this. What I like about us is that we'll like break up on the phone call, make up. I mean, it's not, that's, that's an exaggeration. Anyone hearing that is going to be like, what? No, I just mean like, we say what we want to say if there's something that's bothering us. And we're so aware of the sort of person that you and I are. Like, I'm aware mm -hmm. of, you know, much about who you are. Obviously, there's things about you that I don't know, and with time I'll learn, but we wear sort of our personalities on our sleeves, you know? We're not ashamed. Oh, you don't even wear sleeves. Look at you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like, we're not ashamed to say um, we're, we're difficult to deal with. We're not ashamed to say we're moody. You know, that's that's mm -hmm. something we, that happened the other day. There was something that um, I talked to you about. And you're like, I don't want to. And I was like, well, you know, uh, you're my friend. So fuck it. Then we don't have to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like whatever, you know, <laughs> I think I used the phrase, is it life or life and death? You know, just kind of mean like, you know, try to put it in perspective, like, and you said it when we talked about it even further. You're like, I'll just pick my battles. Yeah, exactly. Right. I was like, look, if it was life or death, I would have led with that. You know, <laughs> I, I said, there's a few thingies we need to do. No, yeah. it's not life or death. I said, thingies, man. Like, thingies. If I, I wanna, fucking love that word. You know, yeah, thingies is good. And it's like, if I want to push, then it's going to have to be something more important than this one. So, yeah, I'll pick my battles. Let's not stress about this one. Dude, there's probably so many people that I could have had that same sort of interaction with and it wouldn't have mm -hmm. just been resolved on the call or friendly or nice, you know, it would have been like, 
an ego test or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and then, but the other thing about it is like, even if our emotions get in the way, we're still logical. Like we have emotions as our first reaction. And mm-hmm. then we're the sort of individuals that can help each other see past them or try to peek through the emotion. Like, okay, I know why Manu's feeling this way right now. So I'm not going to, you know, whatever, whatever, but let's get beyond that. We'll, we'll, we'll do the friendly thing because we're friends and that's, we want to, we want to cater to each other, make sure each other's happy, but then let's be logical about it as the second step and decide, you know, as the technical side of the partnership, is that something that has to be done? Should it be done now? Should we overlook it and just move on and improve on the next episode? Like those kinds of things. And that's just super healthy, right? Because early on, man, we've been open about this from the very beginning. I'm like, Dave, I'm difficult to work with, bro. Like, you know, like it's... (laughs) I cracked that shell. I cracked it. I was thinking about it like an hour ago. Manu, you were you were somebody I would talk to on the phone and you were like, I wouldn't say the secretive is a word, but reserved in talking about personal things or even it's like true. semi-personal things. I hope you never resent it for the fact that you were on one side of the spectrum and now we're doing a fucking podcast together. I know. I was mad at you about it, like in a loving way, because you would ask me a question, normally a question that anyone else, I'd be like, um, I'm not going to tell you that. Or you, no, you, I don't, I don't talk about that with people. But when you would ask me certain questions, my response would be, damn it, Dave, why do you, because you, because now I'm going to answer you. Like, Mm -hmm. why are you asking me that? We have the kind of relationship where I'm going to tell you and now you're going to know some secrets. And then the other part about that is like, it's not a secret in the sense that it's not something people should know. It's things are secret in the sense that they're not things that I share, you know, so on and so forth. But like, it's like, well, well, David, now, now, David. (laughs) (laughs) And so now you're, you're in this thing, you know, you'll, you're going to know things that other people don't, or I'm going to put something into the world and you're going to know the why behind it, or, you know, the agenda or anything like that. Like, dang, I got someone that knows about why I did something. Wow. Well, to, to roll it back to something that happened months ago, I was one of what two people that knew about the the ultimate fallout nine nine eight like Taj yeah. and and me and you know I I was like yeah. I'm not going to say anything until you do and then once you started talking about it I was able to you know mention it to a couple of friends that didn't know who you were. Let me and, dude, you're absolutely right. Let me tell you something else. Here's an here's an inside glimpse. Mm-hmm. Energy. I always talk about it. You know mm-hmm. and. There's there's envy out there. There's jealousy out there. There, I would assume there are individuals out there that instead of wishing well, would intentionally wish harm. You know. Yeah. And I I don't share certain things that I'm excited about with people because you never know who's actually happy for you, or right. who behind the scenes like is is hoping for the worst. And in those kinds of things, like the way that I operate, it's like if you're sending negativity into the universe, perhaps there is an effect of that and I would rather avoid it. And Mm -hmm. so I remember I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want anyone to, you know, there's a saying in, in the, in the Indian culture, in the Indian culture, I guess there's a saying in India and I won't say it in Punjabi or in Hindi because no one's going to know what I'm saying. But the, the saying is like, if you're, if you're showing off or if you're succeeding in life, there are people that spot that and they work actively to ruin it for you right and even if that's like voodoo or black magic or like you know whatever it is like they're sending those signals out into the world and so i've always been really guarded about that when that the 9.4 before it became a 9.8 of that ultimate fallout 4 was headed my way i made Mm -hmm. that decision with you i was like nah dave i'm gonna tell 
Dave's my guy. And then I remember saying on the phone with you, I said, Dave, all after I tell you this, all I need from you, all I want from you is just wish this book to arrive safely. I just put that positivity out there. And not only did the damn thing arrive safely, but it was better looking than I even anticipated <laughs> when I pulled the trigger on it. And then from there, we shared every step of that journey. You know, it was like mm-hmm. it showed up a freaking nine eight, and it was a celebration for the both of us. And the other day, you were like, "Manu, did you sell that thing and not tell me?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> man, I haven't sold it." He said, "Dude, don't." You said, "Don't sell it, and not tell me." We got to celebrate it together. I was like, "No, I know." I've just put it away. I mean, eventually we will sell it. I was truly happy for you because there's no reason for me not like, I don't get jealous. It's just not in me to get jealous. Every once in a while, I could say there's some envy and that's different than jealousy because envy's like, oh man, I wish, I don't actually, what is the difference between jealousy and envy? Mm. I'm envious that you have something like I look up to you because you have that. that. I think that's what envy is. Um, Or, you know, you're, you know, I held you in higher regard because you have that. And I, I was truly happy for you every step of the way for that because that's like I was so happy that you got it because like who the hell else is going to ever get it in my lifetime? I got to be happy for my friend getting it. I appreciate that. Yeah, and yeah, no, I love that, man. I really appreciate yeah. that. And 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 likewise, when when something brilliant happens in 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 your life, in your journey of collecting, I'm ecstatic about it. Like most recently or not probably not the most recent event, but one of the more significant events recently, the sale of that artwork on um, yeah. on Heritage. Wait, wait. Yeah, it was Heritage. What the heck, bro? Like you had, you did, um, and pardon me if I'm saying something that no one's supposed to know, but you had a small group of people watching it live, you know? Yeah. There was yeah. a, there was a intentionally a very private stream, but it was for those reasons. You didn't want anyone to get the wrong idea. You didn't want to be like, look at this money I'm about to make. Everyone watch yeah. this. And that's why it was kept to people that you know would be, you know, celebrating it with you instead of, you know, hoping it didn't go well or whatever. We have a great community of friends. The people around us, we kind of win together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's and a sense of that. There's a sense of that. And we intentionally gravitate towards those people. We can recognize that. Mm-hmm. And we hope to at least. And I remember the final, it was like the final seconds of that auction, right? It was already at a great price. Yeah. But it was like, there was this feeling of like, is it gonna, is it gonna pop? And then there was like, I hope it gets to this. And then moments later, it went over that, and it was like, yeah. oh damn! And then there's the next, I hope it gets to, and we'll take that number down later. You know, like we'll get that one on the next go around. But it did so well, and it had this huge jump at the end, which is freaking fun, man. For anybody listening that doesn't know specifically what we're talking about, the long short of it is, I bought a box of comics for a hundred dollars. That box of comics contained an amazing Spider-Man 129 first Punisher. I turned that into a 9-2. I traded that and another book for an original page for Marvel Spotlight 6, the second appearance of Ghost Rider. It was a Mike Plug artwork, had a transformation of Ghost Rider on the page, a couple of shots of Ghost Rider. I sent that to Heritage, and I'm not going to talk about the number. I'll say this. For personally, it's the most money I've ever made on anything in one shot. I was in shock. That's probably the best way to put it. Like not shock, shock, but shock. That's one of the goals that we hope to accomplish by the energies that we put into this stuff day in and day out. Like that's the stuff, man. That's that's what inspires people that that listen to you, that watch you. Buying mm-hmm. a collection, finding a book that's already the victory, mm-hmm. getting grade on the book that gives it a, a decent amount of value, and then finding an opportunity to combine that with something you already have, trade it, 
get something that sells. You don't know what it's going to sell for. It does like that's the journey we all talk about. That's the journey we set out on when we go hunting for anything, you in the physical world or on eBay, me in Mm -hmm. the digital world and very occasionally, like sometimes in the physical. It's a direct reflection of the amount of time you spend doing something. I was about to say, I haven't had much luck in the physical world. Well, I don't do that day in and day out. (laughs) I have luck in the digital world because I'm obsessed with that day in and day out. It's what I do and, and and it's what you do. And I had a prediction, I think it was last year's prediction or it was last year's prediction for this year that I was going to find an AF-15 at a garage sale. And I still, you're an estate sale. I still have time. I still have time left in the year to do it. But it, mm-hmm. it's just little things like that that make it really enjoyable to to do what I do and, and respectively what you do. I do want to rewind back to one thing you said about you know, the mm-hmm. inner circle of close friends and mm-hmm. then the outer circle of people that we you know interact with on a regular basis and how there's a lot of good vibes t- towards you know in this circle each of ours i do want to kind of put a light on the opposite side of it what you were saying about people that like kind of want you to be you know want to take you down whether they put those vibes out there or whatever yeah i'm still chasing 2000 subscribers on youtube right as of this recording i need 15 okay and the other day I was, I want to say it's, it was Saturday. I posted when I was 20 away and I said, Hey everybody, you know, I'm really close to 2k. I really want to have this 2k celebration show. I try not to put the focus on the fact that it's going to be an all giveaway show yeah, because yeah. I don't want those people just subscribing for that. People that already watch my channel know I've been talking about this giveaway show for a month. And so I put it up on Instagram with a link to subscribe within 20 minutes. I lost two subscribers. That shit is crazy. Yeah. And it's like, it's not coincidence. Like you could, you could try and like play devil's advocate and say, oh, it's just coincidence. Coincidence like that doesn't happen when you're like, here, look over here, you, you could do this and help me out. And then like two people go negate that. Um, And it just, it, it just kind of affirms what you said. A lot of people that talk about success, whether they're ultra successful or not, People are always looking down to try, you know, always looking to take you down a notch on your success. And that's what that was right there. I am who I am, you know, and I, I can't just ignore it. And it was really infuriating, like to the point of like, I put my phone down and just like went and watched TV for like an hour. No, you did what you had to, to, to deal with that in the moment, like to, to come to terms with there's two people out there that want me so badly not to get to my goal that they followed. And, you know, and listen, it's true. Those kind of people out there, but good riddance. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah of course. I don't want them in my, I don't want them in my space, in my, in my element. Yeah. And, and there's definitely something there and those kind of energies are definitely out there. And it's like we said, we talked about this last night, you know, when, when we were live on your channel, our friends are very supportive in the chat. One of the comments that sticks out to me is Black Goo, our guy, Black Goo, shout out. Mm-hmm. He said, haters gonna hate, you it's know, true. and you know, they're necessary. And then they can also create this sort of driver for us as well. Like, you know, there's something I saw recently on Instagram. It was kind of corny. So it, I, I don't think I put it in my like saved audio or anything, but it resonated. Mm-hmm. But this, this audio, this guy goes, he said, block you. No, you're going to watch me win. <laughs> you know, and I, and I was like, I, it was like a little, the tone was like overly dramatic for the statement. Yeah. But I was like, I get that though. You know, there's also a little bit of an odd satisfaction there too. Like sometimes, you know, people are watching your, your, your moves because they're hoping you trip, 
They're watching yeah. you carefully so that you don't so they don't miss the moment that you fumble, right? Yeah. And that kind of becomes the motivation to make sure that not only do you fumble, or even if you do, you get up quick, you come back better than ever, or if you avoid the fumble, you win louder for the people mm-hmm. that hope you don't. Wow, it's almost like um it's a healthy balance here. This might be the circle of life. They might be very necessary to keep us going. Man, and it's good to fumble. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. Like it's good for your self-confidence in the long run. You know, at the moment maybe not, but and and this is not much of a I would say a fumble, but it kind of is. It was a week ago. It was last week on West Coast Wednesday if my weekly claim sale on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't think you were in there. No, you weren't in there. I started the stream and there was something, I was, was something wrong with my computer microphone. I think I actually had it turned off somehow. And the first like four minutes of the stream, everybody's in the comments, Dave, we can't hear you. <laughs> Dave, we can't hear you. It was just people commenting that. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm like, I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm holding my one finger up. Right. And I'm trying to mouth out the words. <laughs> yeah. I'll fix it. I was in a little bit of a foul mood for some reason. Like, I want to say something had happened about an hour or so before that, that kind of pissed me off, which obviously on a sale day, I'm, I'm already operating at a pretty high level of stress, anxiety or whatever, mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get everything ready to go. And it was so funny. I, I ended up plugging in the microphone that we're, that I'm using right now and, and doing the sale with the microphone. But as soon as I got it to work, all the emotion left my body and I laughed for a good 30 seconds about the whole thing. And I said to everybody, I'm like, I'm in such a good mood right now because that happened because I fumbled. Everything was all fucked up and it was an easy fix. And it's just like all that pent up, whatever was going on that day, it all came out right there in the form of laughter. And I got to say this past Wednesday, was the best sale that I had in August. It was it was the fourth Wednesday of August. It was like a record for me in the last couple of months because people are spending a little bit less. But I think last Wednesday, should I say the number? I mean, why not? Yeah. So I think last Wednesday I made uh, about $4,000. Beautiful. Yeah. And I, Beautiful. I didn't really sell any super big books. There were a couple of hundred plus dollar books and maybe one $175 book, but it was like the, the energy of the sale was amazing. I had 50 to 60 people in there up until about 10 o'clock at night. So almost three hours, everybody was just vibing and the books were selling. And yeah, it was, it was just such a fantastic sale. And I've had nights like that where I've, you know, made three to $5,000 selling books, but this was like an extra special night. Yeah. You can, you know, fumble into a fumble into a multiple touchdowns. Right. Yeah, I like that. And I agree with you, though, like the fumbles can be good. And then for other reasons as well, like when I look at a mistake being made, you know, it's the cliche. I like to learn from it. I like to Mm -hmm. investigate what did I do wrong? You know, when you when you realize that you did something that leads to not the outcome that you were hoping for, well, now you get to eliminate that as a way of trying to achieve that outcome. And it makes you stronger. That's one less mistake you're going to make in the future. That's something you know doesn't work or doesn't work for you and you wouldn't have known unless you tried it and fucked up. Like that's the only way to figure it out. I'd rather try something and fail than not try it. I mean, come on, what are you going to do? Oh yeah. Well, you're not going to get this, but do or do not, there is no try. Mm. 
Why would I not get that? What is that from? Where is it from? Is that from Logan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. If I say it in the voice, maybe you could figure it out. Do or do not. There is no try. That's that's Yoda. That's correct. Yoda doesn't talk like that. He does like the reverses of stuff. Well, that is one of the sentences that he would he say. Says, try there is not. Well, do not that, or do or some well, shit. The, well, that's the one time he spoke in, you know, normal sentence. Do or do not. I'm, I'm really horrible at doing Yoda's That's a voice. great voice. It actually. It, it sounds like Kermit. It, I thought maybe it was a, um, a, a, a Muppet. At first, like a Sesame Street character, like I thought it could get mixed up with that. It was Elmo. I, I heard Do you know it Elmo. why? Do you know why? Because the same voice actor plays it. Yeah, Frank Oz was one of the Henson guys, and and Frank Oz is a legend uh, at this point. But yeah, he was he was one of the Henson guys, and he did a lot of the voices. I felt yeah. really smart right there, like culturally, I felt really smart because. Even though it was like an educated guess, it was the right answer that I gave. Wow. Yeah, it's it's because you're aware as much as you're not actively taking in all the pop culture that surrounds you, especially in the space that we're in. Yeah. But uh, you're you're aware. I mean, you've seen Star Wars, correct? I have a Star Wars coffee cup because it looks really good. And I've said this. I, I've seen Good way to avoid the fucking question. <laughs> That's the uh, look, man. I have. It's not popular and it makes people not like me. Well, I don't know that it makes people not like me, but I feel yeah, like... I don't, I don't if, know if that's the case. Yeah. If I ask somebody, have you listened to Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt? And they're like, yeah, I hated it. I'd kind of maybe... Well, I would not like the person, but I would probably then be like, no, let's listen to it again together. Okay, please. Because mm-hmm. I need to change your opinion. But my my thing about Star Wars is I love the memory of it because there's a movie theater that used to be um, you know, nearby and yeah. it was a century, a century theater back in the day. I mean, this is the theater that I watched Jurassic Park in. I watched mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action ones, of course, right? And there's an animated one out right now. And I'm like, I'm aware, but unaware. And last R- night I watched the trailer for the first time. And I was like, how am I not watching this film it right now? so good. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. It was yeah. so good. So I, I definitely want to go. I want to I want to go watch that. But in any case. TMNT I watched there, Jurassic Park, um, Titanic I watched there, you know, like every movie that I remember and love as a child. Yeah. And there was the re-release or the remastered version of Star Wars. Special edition. Right. So that's that era, whenever this was, the years after Jurassic Park, but around then, I don't know when it was. 1997, I think was uh, when A New Hope got released because we cut school, about 12 of us to go see it at the GOMAC movie theater. Okay. So I was 12 when that came out. And- you know, my mom, maybe my mom and dad, I don't know, but my mom probably took me or at least dropped me and friends off. Like, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I remember just because the media was pushing this thing so much, like it's remastered Star Wars. Yeah. It's amazing. Go watch this. I couldn't get into it. Me, the however I was wired as a kid watching that movie, I was like, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of boring to me. I was a little out of it. Weird. Did you yeah. not did you not see it as a kid like your parents didn't show it to you when you were a kid? Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't have yeah. Star Wars in my blood at all from when I was younger. I think for people in our generation, you know, specifically our generation from I'm 43 or 38, so that 5 years of 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 kid is different that changes what we've taken in during our formative years. Yeah, and if you don't see it as a kid, it doesn't work unless you're really into those types of movies like i can't imagine what it's like to see it at 15 and take it in 
I didn't see, I, I don't think I saw Empire, the second one. I don't think I saw that in the theater, but I definitely saw Return of the Jedi in the theater when I was, you know, four years old or whatever. But it was in my blood from the beginning and yeah. the toys, the, all that stuff. And it took, yeah, another 25 years after that for it to come back around again. Episode one came out, excuse me, 99. So it's a new generation of kids that are grown up with Star Wars. So it's, you know, it's every couple of decades you grow up with it. But I told you, my closest friend, Scott, has never seen Star Wars. And he's I didn't my know closest, that. He's my, oh, yeah, shit. he's my closest friend. So I let people off sometimes. Good. I'm glad when, yeah, when they make up for it in other ways. So I'm glad that there's things that I do yeah. well yeah. enough. Right. But I will say this, I do have a bunch of unopened Star Wars action figures because I was still a collector of things that other people <laughs> were after. Right. Mm -hmm. But as a, it's not like I have any of the valuable ones that just used to, you know, I know the main characters, right? Like, oh, that's yeah. Princess Leia. That's uh, Luke Skywalker. That's Yoda, you know, that's Darth Vader. So. Well, cause you're, um, you're a human being that's aware. Yeah. And so, you know, when I used to do my Toys R Us hunting, I remember mm -hmm. one time I got kicked out of Toys R Us because there was some employee that took his job too seriously. And what I used to do is I used to hide the action figures that I wanted in different sections of the store because I didn't yeah. have to buy them. And I just wanted to know where they were in case my mom and dad decided they were going to give me 15 bucks to buy toys or something. Mm -hmm. And one day I got caught like hiding like a Spider-Man toy behind like a Barbie thing. Right. And, <laughs> And they told me I had to leave. And I just felt, I got really hurt by that. I was like, wow, I feel like a bad guy, but I know I'm not a bad guy. Just Dude, Toys R Us, man. We all used to do that. I used to do that with cards. For I used real? to hide packs in places that I could get them later because it was very easy at like the, we had, you know, we had our equivalent of Kmart in, in Long Island, McCrory's, and then there was Caldor and Toys R Us too, and KB. Yeah. So yeah, I used to hide stuff and then come back and get it. Kmart, just the thoughts of Kmart make me so happy inside because I still have my, my Spider-Man action figure collection is one of my favorite things. And um, I have so many sealed ones. I used to hang them from my wall. I used, there was another thing I used to do from the ceiling. You would walk into my childhood bedroom and mm -hmm. there would be a bunch of action figures floating off of the ceiling because you take the long rubber bands, put them around the loop thing and thumbtack those into the actual ceiling. Yeah, and they would hang. And they would just hang, right? And I remember that. And I still have all of those toys. And I have some open ones as well. But I was the sort of kid that was able to appreciate, enjoy, love without like playing with them. Like, I'm a weirdo. You know, I just wanted to have them and have them sealed. I love them. And I still have the ones that have like Kmart stickers on them or KB yeah. stickers on them. And it's like, that's cool, man. Dude, it's, it's funny because... I went through the phases, oh, both phases, the phase of opening everything, playing with them, and then buying the Power of the Force line, which is probably what you're talking about, which restarted in 95, 96, probably, say, yeah. The, yeah. the orange back cards and then eventually the green back cards. Lime green and orange. Yeah, those yeah. are the ones that I have for the most part, if I remember correctly. And that was that was the ones that I kept unopened. And I probably have a photo of it in my physical photo of what my wall looked like with every single one of those with tacks on the wall and then the loop on top of the tack you never tack through the card no we cared, we cared about condition too much yeah and i i did tack through some cards i don't know why <laughs> but there are definitely some cards i tacked through that's well, weird why would i have done that those figures are the equivalent of junk wax for star wars figures yeah, it makes me so sad they're not worth anything. <laughs> but that was the 90s. It's so funny because the 90s were over-manufactured. 
Yeah. Because it was cards, it was comics, and it was toys, and it was fucking video games. But nobody knew. Nobody knew the video games were going to be the one that that blew up. That stuff's still worth money. Oh, bro. I badly want my favorite console sealed. Yeah. Badly. What? Super Nintendo? I want, oh, I, I, I meant, I said it plural. I thought I did at least. But yes, SNES is my favorite console <laughs> of all time, hands down, period. You know, I just had a conversation with our friend R.S. Galley. Yeah, what's up? Shout out, Andrew. We were talking two nights ago. And somehow we got into video games and he wanted to test me. And he said, "What? what's the greatest console of all time? Oh, what was your answer? It was SNES. Fuck yeah. It was Super Nintendo followed up very, very closely by PlayStation 2. Okay. Okay. Because okay. they both revolutionized everything about games on a molecular level. They put out the most solid lineup of games on systems. SNES. Super Zelda, and I said this to, to Andrew specifically, I said Super Zelda is better game than most consoles in totality. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know? Yeah. And then fucking Mario Kart and Super Mario World. All these games were just, and Street Fighter 2 on SNES was amazing. Man, yeah, that, that's, why, that's why I'm going to end up foolishly spending hundreds of dollars <laughs> on sealed video games and, and maybe even upwards of you know a thousand plus on a high grade cgc graded one or something like and i know it's silly and i it is but man the stuff that really speaks to my heart like that really tugs my nostalgia strings i want to have it in the highest grade i want to seal that i would just want it i just want it (laughs) it's it's just because of your high grade snobbery which is not a dig at you it's just who you are oh yeah yeah come on my 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 title line of my instagram page says something about a high grade snobbery living here or something your your entire instagram name is a high grade snobbery yeah oh yeah what the hell (laughs) of course yes (laughs) but i don't know man there's something about like toys sealed in card cool they don't have to be in the best condition right they just have to be sealed in card you know like to have that feel of what it was like when you bought it yeah yeah but a video game box encased in plastic i know it's stupid i want it though i just wish you would spend your money on something else yeah i hear you like it would (laughs) you know that's the piece of me that like looks looks to his right and sees two portfolios full of original art. And then that's always, you know, that is such the answer, right? Like even last night, we were talking about something that cost a thousand bucks. You're like, no, there are still undervalued original pieces of Todd McFarlane art that you can buy. And that's the right answer every fucking time. I try and advise people to think about what they're buying in terms of what else they could have for that money. Because Feeding a machine, um, a machine like CGC or like Upper Deck, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these machines don't need more grease, yeah. and they don't need more. They don't need more money to pump out the same shit year after year. But I will say this to anybody that collects original art or anybody that's thinking of collecting original art: original art's going the way of the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Digital by twenty years, there will be nobody left doing original art, save five or six people names that we know you know i i don't think you'll see kevin eastman ever go completely digital i don't think you'll see a guy like eric larson ever go full digital or anything but so if you're gonna buy a seven thousand dollars sealed console oh stop i would not plastic oh the console i might if if, 
Bro, if somebody showed me a high-grade Nintendo, not as SNES, because I think the high-grade Nintendos are the ones that would bring in the most money, right? Yeah, probably. Right? Just because it's the older one, the first of the ones that led the way of the Nintendo fame and stuff. Mm -hmm. I might spend an absurd amount. I don't even want to talk about this because I don't know, actually, right? These are just thoughts that I'm having. And the only reason I say CGC video game thing is because... Obviously, WADA was grading video games prior to CGC. Sure, but they got into a lot of hot water. Oh, yeah, there was. Oh, we'll talk about that whenever. Yeah, there was a there was all kinds of it's the simple stuff, market manipulation. And mm-hmm. just uh, that's what it was. There, there were no pop reports or census. You didn't know how many of a game existed. And there were a bunch of fake sales to prop up the future sales coming. And then it all collapsed. It was just a bunch of ambitious people taking advantage of the fact that money was being thrown around, which is how the world works. OK, I don't even yes. blame people for that. That's no. just name of the, that's part of the game. You know, don't hate the player. And in any case, oh, a pun, kind of. Um, the reason I bring up CGC rather than saying water is because when I saw a, when I saw a Super Nintendo game encapsulated in a CGC case, they just did such a better job of making it look appropriate and good. And Where does it end? Do you get a box and then another box and then another box? And then it's all of a sudden a Russian doll scenario. It's so funny. The game is sealed, and then the sealed game is sealed. And we 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 are absurd. We are. We're absurd. It is so. You know, whatever. This is way better than other things we can obsess over, right? Very true. Very true. (laughs) When I was on with uh, Rohan and JP for an episode with Absolute Game of Nerds on their channel, I said that I said, you know, they're they're literally grading the cellophane, and JP was like, wait. They are? And I was like, well, yeah, that's what the grade is being associated with. The condition of the packaging and the outermost layer of packaging is the clear plastic. Therein lies my hatred for the scam of grading video games. I'm sorry. Are they a bunch of fucking mind readers with x-ray vision that can tell you that what's in there is supposed to be what's in there? Dude, you know. Can these companies actually tell period correct cellophane from something that I just cellophaned or whatever? I don't know. I mean, can they really tell you that the cartridge that's in there is what's supposed to be in there? That's I mean, they, they can't. How the hell? Yeah. How can they? Yeah. The only thing, the only package I know that you can tell what's in there is Game Boy or Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, because it had the serial number was the box had a slit in it so you could see the serial number so they could Whoa, just match really? that up yeah i'm, I'm that's pretty sure that's, yeah i'm glad that they did that that's amazing wait but i like i like these okay so so the the package gets graded the outermost package is essentially what's being graded and you can see if the cardboard is dented so on and so sure. forth but if someone has a way of um, resealing a pristine box and and removing the contents and fitting, you know, putting some worthless stuff in there and selling yeah. the, the the guts separately, well, that could be happening. Famously, there there are companies that certify vintage sealed product, especially you know, uh, cards sealed well, boxes. And that's, and that's exactly what I'm going to get at here. Well, I don't remember if it was Jake Paul or um, you know, one of the the the. Logan, he's a big Pokemon guy, and he bought that sealed case or whatever it was of uh, vintage Pokemon, and it was certified by a company that has yeah. some respect in in sports cards and trading cards. And he opened that, uh, he made content out of it. He opened it on a video, and it ended up being completely fake. There were GI Joe cards on the inside, and this was a yes. million dollar box he bought. And then famously, uh, somebody that we're associated with, Neo, 
uh, Northeastern Ohio Sports Cards and Comics. Yeah. He bought a box of uh, 90 MU Marvel oh, Universe. Shit, and it was did Dungeons happen. and Dragons cards or some shit. That actually did happen. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And so the scams are on both sides because when you think about it, grading a sealed video game is a scam onto itself because you can't open it to make sure the contents in it are what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And if you do, it's no longer sealed. So it's no longer the same grade. Now it's complete in box. Now it's a CIB. You're, yeah, you're literally, you know, it's like being locked in a room with no windows and no doorknobs and you can't get out and you can't stay in because they'll die. It's like, <laughs> <That's>, you, you <laughs> know, you can't yeah. tell if the game is real and you can't take it out of the box because then it breaks. It, it's no longer the grade that it's supposed to be. Here's the thing that I imagined. I imagined being locked in a room, right? But Siri told you it's a lovely day outside. So you're like, I'm having a great day. It's so nice out. And you're in a closed off room, but you're like, someone just told me it's really nice out. So this is a fucking excellent day. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's some people that are listening that are graded gamer fans. Half of this conversation is a graded game fan. Like I'm having this discussion with you, and I'm still a graded game fan. Like for but real. If, but if I sold you a Maximum Carnage Super Nintendo, and it, you know, I I got it graded, and it came back at whatever the grades come back nine four nine six nine eight. Yeah. And then I told you like ten years later. Oh, by the way, yeah, that's um Mario Tennis in that box. <laughs> You know, it's like you will never know unless you want to break the seal and then you're literally throwing money away because you could just pass it off and sell it to somebody else Maybe. if you think I'm lying. You know, that's the whole thing. Like I still stand by in the graded world. It's the only thing that I actually ever thought made sense. I really think the only thing that should be graded is, is sports cards. That's it. Not even comic books, huh? Because there's no. interiors that you can't access anymore once yeah. they're encapsulated. And, and and it's like, there's also a level of it I don't trust. I do trust sports card grading because it is, it's it's easy to see. It's just a, yeah. one piece and it's two sides. Like mm-hmm. you can debate corners a little bit. You can debate centering a little bit or surface, but you can't really debate it that much. Because it's all there for you to see. You can see it. Yeah. There's no mystery. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah. that's a good point. And to that, because obviously that's so logical, like you, you can't see the inside of the book anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't say with any degree of certainty that the grader actually did what they were supposed to, you know, a page count or make sure that the, the insert or the stamp or whatever that could be cut out wasn't. Mm-hmm. And listen, it is an unavoidable fact that not every grader does their job. And there are multiple, there are thousands of examples of this. Um, I'm going to give like a positive example. And then I want to talk a little bit about this recent negative example. But I recently purchased an Amazing Spider-Man 315 in a 9.8 Mark Jewelers, already encapsulated CGC White Page Mark Jewelers. Mm-hmm. The reason I bring that up, this is a like a fun story. Well, for the for the person that it worked out for, it's a fun story. There's yeah. an individual that I know on Instagram forget his name at the moment, but years ago, uh, I became aware of the story. He owns a 315 white page Mark Jewelers. But when he purchased that book, he had purchased just a 9-8 newsstand. It wasn't until he received the book that he was kind of looking it over and he said, oh, I see the colored strip through the, you know, the, the <laughs> edge of the slab here and I can tell that it's a Mark Jewelers. And he resubmitted it to CGC with the note saying or however he got their attention to tell him, hey, this is actually a Mark Jewelers. And the book that he purchased as a 9-8 newsstand is now encapsulated rightfully as a Mark Jewelers. And that 
that worked out for him because the incompetence of whoever wrongly graded it. The incompetence is a wrong is a strong word. So I'm gonna, you know, I said it, but what I want to say is a grader missed that. And yeah. the person that submitted the book obviously missed it because why would they be accepting of it when it came back from CGC as not a Mark Jewelers? Right. Right. So so you know that if you don't tell CGC that it's a Mark Jewelers, you cannot count on the grader who wants to get to his lunch to look through it. And also, even when you do tell them, sometimes they just miss it. Maybe oh. even three oh. times with one book. We have that. Wait, we know someone that went through that. Yeah, he's me. That was you? Yeah, the ASM 301 that I sent to the signing was a Mark Jeweler. I get it signed by Todd. 90 comes back. No Mark Jeweler designation on the label. Yeah. Sent it back. Comes back. No Mark Jeweler designation on the label. And now it's not a custom label anymore. Then I sent it back, finally came back after I wrote a giant note that I taped to the slab. And I said, this is a Mark Jeweler variant with a custom label, all big capital letters. Yeah. And finally came back a 90 Mark Jeweler custom label. It's so sad that I don't even feel the frustration that I used to with things like that. It's like that CGC and I've decided to stay in this relationship with them. <laughs> glutton for punishment over here but when it works oh my gosh is it a great relationship sure. when they get it right they're the greatest company in the world i you know but oh. that's the the thing that me and you talk about all the time is it shouldn't be when they get it right it shouldn't be man it shouldn't yeah. be we, i've said this from the beginning it, it shouldn't feel like they did us a favor by doing their freaking job you know like uh, yeah anyway yeah. So yeah, so there was a 315 out there that wasn't um, as such. The second example was something that I caught wind of uh, through the internet. A bunch of people were making videos about it. I don't remember the book. It's an older book, Golden Age book, I think. Very rare book. And this was a high grade copy. Mm -hmm. And someone bought it at auction because they thought that it would, had a bump potential in it to make it the actual, like a new highest graded copy. And they paid like $9,000 for this book with the intention to turn it into like a 20 or $30,000 book. Mm -hmm. They buy the book. The mistake that they made, you couldn't imagine it to be a mistake. You wouldn't have assumed it was, but the mistake they ended up making was cracking it out themselves and submitting it. And when they submit it, this time it came back with a green label Ugh. because there was something on the inside that was cut out. Well, guess what? It was a blue label CGC graded prior. They did not accurately look through this book. And this individual paid 9,000 plus buyer's premium on an auction site. And now it is not even worth half what he paid. That sucks. And that mistake is not his. That mistake is CGC's. C but yeah. CGC's covered. Why? Because that book was cracked out by a civilian. Yeah. The chain of whatever has been broken. They, are, wow. they have no legal obligation to make that right because it didn't come to them encapsulated. And here's the other thing. If it did come to them encapsulated and somebody cracked it out and the grader then recognized that, would they have been honest about their initial mistake or would it magically have been encapsulated again as a blue label to kind of bury this situation? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you'll never know unless you crack it out. Isn't that fucked Damn, up? That's a kick in the fucking dick. Wow. Bro, even if the books are graded and encapsulated, you don't know if it's accurately done. Don't crack them out. Just 
Just leave them. it, man. Leave yeah. them. And I don't even mean that. I crack books out all the time if I don't like how they're encapsulated. Yeah, I have I have so much negative things to say about the entirety of grading, but their company really is just sometimes it's it's pathetic. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. And um and right now, hopefully no one else is dealing with this. My account status, submission status page, mm-hmm. it's not working. None of my new orders are populating. And my previous order, my most recent order that was clickable, like this is an order that the books have already been shipped to me. The certain Mm -hmm. numbers are there. You can see the images of the books. That order is not engaged with a bull. Like I can't click anything. I can't see anything. And every time I call, I'm like, hey, how come I can't engage with this order? They're like, well, we can on our end. We don't know. This last guy, God bless all of the people that work for CGC. You know, it's not, they, they get put in a bad situation, the customer service reps, right? Sure. They they have to make up excuses and lies for for their company. But this yeah. one guy, you could tell he was new to customer service. Very recent call. Most of my recent calls have been incredibly pleasant. I love the people I've been speaking to. I even get mm-hmm. the same person multiple times, you know, and we know each <laughs> other, a few of these folks, right? But this one guy goes, and he's probably coming from, from a great place, but he goes, you know, restart your phone, restart your desktop, clear your yeah. cash and all of this stuff. And I'm like, man. I'm logged into this thing on like three different devices. None of them are showing me my stuff, okay? It's not the cash that needs to be cleared here. No, the customer service at CGC has been really warm and friendly and attentive, attentive, attentive. And also they've been doing some new things over there where every time you make a phone call, you get a follow-up email to ask you how that was. Meaning somebody over there is trying to get things together. They're trying to improve it. Understand. Yeah, I understand. Understand that. Well, and and I I could appreciate that. So when we hit record, I was thinking about this. It was something I noticed over the last week or two up on Instagram in the comic community. You and I have been having openly public conversations, private conversations, me and anybody who will listen to me about the slow downfall of slabs that is currently happening. That's been going on for about two, two or three months. Okay. What I mean by downfall is people are buying them less and less, just outright. I am a comic book seller. This is what I do for a living on a weekly basis. People are buying less and less slabs. And I'm sure you've seen pieces of that. I have indeed. People want to buy 9-8 candidate raws and it's like, I can't, they're too much of a price difference. I have to grade it, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if you've noticed, because I know you don't completely pay attention to them, but both elite which is a consigner on Instagram and Grails, which is a consigner on Instagram. Yes. Now have raw books for sale on a daily basis. I did not know that Grails was doing that. I saw an announcement Elite put out the other day. They're also doing a money back guarantee if it's not graded accurately, which is ballsy. That but is that's the way to get ballsy. into it. Dude. The grade could change because someone mishandles it after it's been sold. Like it could be on the buyer side that it gets mishandled. It could be on three sides. It could be on the seller side, the buyer side, or CGC side. Yeah. I and and so uh, Grails is doing something called Raw Apocalypse, <laughs> and I just think it's hilarious because knock knock, what took you so long? And first of all, this is going to be bad for both of them. Because the whole idea of a consigner is that they're backing what they're selling and they're not the people that own the product. You can't assume that Joe Blow knows that's a 9-2. You're right. And from the messaging that I picked up from Elite, 
Mm -hmm. is they're just not going to let Joe Blow sell Raws. Like they're going to deal with their top sellers, the people that care about their reputation the way that you and I care about our reputation. Sure. You know, and it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out because there's going to be, there's going to be so many people lining up to sell their Raws through Elite. Elite has to turn a lot of folks away and I hope they do. Well, they're going to, they're not going to want to ruin their reputation. What if somebody buys a $10,000 Raw, you know, something yeah, and it like, comes back like a fantastic four number one or yeah, something like that yeah. that's it's serious stuff it's a lot of money restoration all those things that but you're right though there's there's the there's the evidence that what you've been recognizing is more real than just in your sales it's it's widespread because mm-hmm. the the larger consignment shops that whose bread and butter is graded books are seeing their bread and butter be reduced yes Yes. And I am there every week watching what sells because I'm selling it. And I've said this for months that graded books are going to go down the shitter and nobody wanted to listen to me. And now I've got my friend right here on the other end who sells high grade books. Who's agreeing with me? I mean, it's, it is, I deal with those questions every day, man. People want to, people would rather spend their money wisely than on the jacked up prices of CGC slabs. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what they would rather do. They'd rather wait it out to get a beautiful 252 rather than a $2,100 9.8 252. Yeah. yeah, there's very few people that are still buying these heavy-handed 9.8 premium books, you know, newsstands. And that's never going to go away because there's always going to be people with a lot of money that want the best and nothing else. But generally, I want to use this term. I don't really want to use this term, but I will. I'm in the fucking trenches every week. Yeah. And I'm watching the, the spending habits of people. And then I watch Maddie sell. And yeah. I watch all four hours of Maddie selling. And I see the trends that he, you know, the people that come into his sale. And then I'll pop into Bronze Age Batcave and I'll prop in, pop into Grails. And I'm doing my research. And I'm, I'm just like, nobody's been talking about it. And now, finally, the evidence is out there because the two biggest consigners are yeah. doing raw sales. So. Dude, the- the raw books are definitely more into me. And then listen, it's not even like hard to, we let's, let's, yeah, let's stay on this. It's not even super hard to accept or analyze, you know, it's, yeah. it's the, it's the market cycle or sentiment that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, people have been watching certain slabbed prices continue to go down some fast, some slowly um, for a, a greater part of a year and a half right now or something yeah. like that, maybe even two years, you know, whatever it was. And if you keep seeing certain prices go down, well, you're going to become a little hesitant to buy into the graded uh, book, you know, um, that premium, you're going to possibly not want to catch some of the depreciation that may still be around the corner. And so that makes a lot of sense. Also, though, at the same time, of course, there's an audience for all sorts of things. There's there is sure. still a collector. Uh, and many of them that only want to buy a nine eight white pager. That's the yeah. sort of collector they are. They did not get into books to buy raws. They don't open books. They are looking at them as things they remember from their childhood. But now it's more than that. It is nostalgia. It is cool, but it's an investment. And they want what's been said to be accepted as investment grade for certain things because. When you look at auction houses and all this and all that, you know, it's always mm-hmm. those high grade encapsulated books that bring in the big bucks. And when you have the sort of individuals that are more money minded than they are, like, you know, read my comic books, they're going to go for that stuff. Right. But that market is different. It's different to tap into. But when you think about the general population of buyers, raw books are 
where it's at right now. Oh yeah. You know, they really are. And I love it though. I love raw books, but it just makes it, it just makes it strange for me because I know if I put up a raw book, if I put up a Malibu Sun 13 for $700, it's going to sell, right? Yeah. Because it's going to become a 9.6 or a 9.8 if I'm selling it for 700 bucks. But a dang 9.8 is like over $4,000. A 9.6 is like, you know, right now kind of low, but like 12, 1300, a thousand bucks, something. But that book will sell before uh, a discounted 9.6 will. The $700 Malibu will not last five freaking minutes if it (laughs) looks freaking beautiful. It won't last. Yeah, it won't. It's funny you talk about the people that buy some of these really high-end books and they're they're in it for investment. They most of them don't even know what they're like why they're buying it or if it's really a good investment. And that's not a slight on you because No, no, no. I am going to talk about this in a second because I know what you mean. Yeah, they they're just buying it. I mean, there's so many books out there that people are spending so much money on and what they don't realize is there's so many more of those books out there. Let me, there's so many more yeah. of those books out there that are waiting to become that great. Right. Let me let me jump in here because yeah. this, we're going to reflect on the mindset of that buyer. And then we're going to reflect a little bit of the two sorts of sellers. And one yeah. is the sort of seller that that buyer needs to be wary of. Of Yes, there are money-minded, successful adults out there that love comic books, but don't have time to find them, don't mm-hmm. care about researching them. They just want you know, they watched yeah. the YouTube video. They heard that this book is $50,000. They want the damn thing, right? Yep. They've got the money to buy it. They don't have the time to deal with it. They don't know if it's a good investment. They have no idea. If they don't understand that book the way they understand whatever financial money market made them rich. They understand mm-hmm. that, the commodities they trade, the stocks, whatever, but they don't know books that way. When you run into a seller like myself and you establish a relationship with me, the first book I'll let you buy it because you said you want it and you'll pay whatever price I ask. We don't have the relationship. Mm -hmm. The second book, now I know you and I'm going to, I am this person, dude. I will cancel a sale on someone that I care about. And I'll just be like, what do you, why? First of all, why do you need two if it's the same book? Also, are you sure you want this one? Like, yeah, I know this is the price I'm asking, but I have to be honest with you. This is the price I'm asking because the last comp was astronomical and I'm trying to take advantage of a newly posted comp. I don't know that this thing's going to hold at this value and I'll feel bad if you pay this and then it's not the investment you were hoping it was. You're not a stranger anymore. I know you now. That's the type of seller that I am and I will guard my repeat customers. I will attempt to guard my repeat customers from mistakes. Now, if they insist because they don't care because they're swimming in it, well, then have at it. Buy the book. If it makes you happy, buy the book. No one's mad at that. Then there's the sort of seller that will completely disrespect a relationship and screw someone into the ground because they believe there's a sucker around every corner. Yeah. Those sellers are not going to last forever. And if they do, I can't imagine how nasty the energy is around them. You go, you live your life screwing people every single day and you, you think it's going to last If you know that you have someone that's not smart enough to make the decisions they need to with their money, but you keep feeding their poor choices, you are their pusher. And I don't mean that in a flattering, cool sort of way. I mean, fucking people, you know, you, you are spitting on that relate. You're spitting in the face of that relationship. I will not do that. I cannot do that. A wise man once said, value the relationship more than the sale. Do you know who that wise man is? Tell me. It's you. Fuck, that was me. 
Yeah, that was you. That was your second episode. Oh, it's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) You just came full fucking circle. It came full circle. That's the way I am. I feel so grateful that I'm able to do this. I feel so grateful that people spend money with me. Why? I don't want to disrespect that. Of course not. You know, and there are literally sellers out there that do not care. They are hoping that uneducated buyers find them. Uh, I got to calm down. That's also like this whole variant racket, right? Yeah. Anybody that's an experienced collector, they've already made the mistake of buying bullshit variants and they're not going to do it again. These are young, young to buying, impressionable people new to the community that are like, wow, that's a dope cover. And they don't realize, oh my gosh, there's 30 dope covers every week. Because there are. I mean, there's there's more. And unfortunately, that that's a whole other conversation about the blame lies on more than just the seller. Blame lies on the, the publishers and it lies on the buyers. But it's definitely targeted towards people that are inexperienced, a new generation of of comic book collector. Yeah, sure. and it's it's not the worst thing in the world to buy a bunch of variants. It's not. It's not. No, I just, no. From no. my own personal experience, I went through it myself. Three and a half years ago, I was getting back into comic books, and I started seeing covers that I thought were incredible. Yeah. And I was even buying them in 9.8. You know, like the, the book I can buy for $10, but the 9.8's $89.99 plus tax, and I'm like, well, fuck it, you know? And then yeah. you learn really quickly, like, but wait, there's not a hundred dollars worth of value in this book just because it's encapsulated. I liked the cover. It has it's not rare, it's not scarce. There's so many of them, they're all high grade. I could have just bought the seven dollar raw if I really wanted it. Yeah, man. And then I, ex- I I evolved even more when I realized, wow, there are some great covers coming out, but it it uh, there's no point in buying them all, right? Like, and and I feel like that cycle that I went through, fortunately for me, it was probably only six months before I was like, oh, fuck all this shit. Um, and I just like things without buying them. I see a lot, I deal with a lot of um, people that are new to the community. And and that's another thing, you know, people say like, is our comic book slowing down? No, dude, new people no. to community hit me up every single day. I have now gone into a practice of reposting things that I posted two and a half years ago because there's tens of thousands of people watching Instagram comic books that weren't here two years ago. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's new people every day and I want to thank everybody that's new that's bought from us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. We love you. And and yeah, and if once 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 we have in a relationship, we have a relationship if you're ever concerned about a purchase or wondering if you're making the right one. We said this last night too. You can always just hit us up. We'll give you a little bit of therapy on it. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate, I don't love these people, Manu. I just like them. But I don't really want to make out with them like I do to you. Um oh, that's sweet. I like that. Thanks for making me feel special, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a bit of a ramble for me. I apologize. And listen, oh, this yeah. is what you're here for. You're here to ramble. I have friends that sell variants and they do it in a respectable, polite way. It's up to the buyer to decide if they like it enough to pay it. The prices aren't inflated. It's not crazy. Good people, good sellers. And good relationships with their buyers. The neg- the the bad energy are the ones that are hooting and hollering about it like it's the greatest thing in the world. And you got, you know, you know the gig. 
right? That's what that's that's basically what I'm talking about. I don't know who your friends are that you say do variant covers, but I gotta All say the good people. Yeah, I don't know who it is. I don't know who you're talking about. My overview of online sellers doing incentive or variant covers, I hate it. I think it's no, no. It, my good people's like Maddie. Maddie sells variant covers, and I love. Oh, that. oh, oh! What I thought you meant is people like hiring artists to do. No, variant not covers. not the actor. No, no, I'm not talking okay. about the the influencers and creators that got okay. the, their name on the back of the no, book. Then, no, 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 no. Then that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sell. Look, I bought that whole collection that had all these crazy, you know, early two thousands, mid two that mid two thousand retailer incentives that I made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on. For example, I just sold a, a couple of Power Girl books from 2005 or 2006 that were like variant covers that are worth $150, $200. Sweet. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the uh, influencers doing their fucking variant covers because most of it's garbage. They are literally hiring, hiring these people that are just not, they haven't done comics. They're just people doing shitty covers. There's no art to that. That's just shit. And like people that we know that use AI art on variant covers, no, fuck that. I only just found out about that from you. And and no. then, but also it just like makes perfect sense. It's like, well, yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> what do they care about the integrity of the artwork? They just want yeah. to put out another variant cover. They've got an audience that's paying into whatever they've branded. Go get I your know. money. It's up to I the know. audience to make their decisions. Like yes that. and no, because that, and I think this is a conversation that we should have another time because you're an influencer. That is your that is what you're doing. Yeah. So do some good. Don't fucking be a peddler of shit. People don't take responsibility of their no. great power. No. Literally, it's an audience of people that are spending money with you. Take a little responsibility what you're doing and stop treating everybody like they're just an open wallet. Yeah. And that's that, that's what we're talking about. And everything that you said about, and, and we'll loop it back in and maybe we'll call, well, this is a long episode, but maybe we'll call this value of the relationship more than the sale part two. That's such a great way to look at it because I don't I don't deal a ton of times with these high-end books. When I do, they go to people that spend that high-end money that don't need to be told what to buy. But there's somebody that I, I won't I won't say his name, but we both know him. And I I've told you before in the past, like sometimes he'll he'll hit me up and be like, Hey Dave, I've got an opportunity to buy this at this grade. And I'll do a little research. And I'll be like, No, don't wait, just wait, just wait. And then sometimes I'll, you know, I'll say, yeah, pull the trigger on it. It's a good deal. Yeah. I'm happy to do that for people that are, are trying to make a decision on a big book. Like if you ask me if you should buy this $20 book, I will just literally LOL you. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like, can you yeah. afford to spend $20 and substitute a burrito one day? Then go for it. Like, who cares? Yeah. But there, there really does need to be some responsibility in this, in this community, in this hobby. I mean, you hear about some of the terrible things that happen in in the sport card and, and, you know, all that, that community, non-sport card community, or a lot of irresponsibility about pricing and stuff like that. But the comic community, there's more out there for all this stuff. So there's more chances to say, oh, you can get this again. You can get this some other time. Yeah. I, I would like to see it, but I, I can't, I'm, I can't be worried about what other people are doing. I can only be worried about how I treat my people in the same thing with you. And yes, that's, that's what we're trying to convey. That's what we're trying to convey here. But I, I 
it's 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 a bigger conversation that we can keep having. It's not going to be something that will that will ever go away because this is what we do. It's not going to go away because there's always going to be new people coming to the market that mm-hmm. haven't experienced being taken advantage of, that don't know they're being taken advantage of. It's business. It's a robust market. There's always going to be a bunch of funny shit that a few good people will help other people navigate. Yes. And and as small business owners or whatever you want to call us, we are definitely more hands-on and unlike a lot of the world at large capitalism and corporations that exploit people, we we are in positions and I say we, it's the greater we of of collectible sellers. Mm-hmm. We don't have to exploit people. We can make this a viable business as a seller. And people can be viable collectors without exploitation happening on either side. Right. That actually brings me to something. I might actually be a little extreme about this. I I point out things on slabs that someone as obsessive with details as myself would want to be pointed out. And truth is, not everyone's like that. Not everyone is even noticing the things that I am, but I still go out of my way to point it out. And you, myself, and a friend of ours, we had a conversation recently um, about how I point out scuffs on slabs that most people don't. And so our friend pointed it out on a slab that he was selling and the deal went away. Like the deal was done and he was packaging the book and messaged the buyer and said, hey, I also noticed the scuff. And the buyer, to our friend's surprise, said, oh, thanks for pointing that out, but I actually don't want that scuff on my book. Uh... <laughs> but he got the scuffs off of the slab and then the sale went through, right? So that was beautiful, <laughs> right? But there, the thing, the thing that I'm coming back to here is I do have ambitions to grow. I do have ambitions to become an even larger business, but not at the cost of the reputation that I've already created and that, that detail-oriented approach I take, which mm-hmm. actually limits how much I can grow. Because if it's that very hands-on, well, that means every book has to go through me. Every yeah. book. So I can't become one of these volume shops that compromises for growth. Because if you think of a shop like my comic shop, right? Huge Mm -hmm. operation, tens of thousands of consignment books. I've had to return a lot of stuff to my comic shop because they don't look into the condition of the slabs or the books the way that a very small operation would. And that makes sense. They can't. They're a huge operation. And so they'll just eat the returns from time to time. You know, for every thousand books they sell, maybe they get 20 returns. They're not worried about it. They also know that the greater majority of buyer is not recognizing these things. So nothing's getting returned. You have to be very aware in this, in this space that we're in. Not only can slab conditions vary dramatically and yeah. some can be resolved, some need reencapsulation. But also the books within the slab get damaged within the slab, depending on how how much they're bumped around in travel when they're being shipped. Mm -hmm. And so you can buy a 9.8, which in fact will not be a 9.8 if you ever submit it to a signature or something like that. I give a shit about that. A big shop cannot. So... I have decisions to make in my, you know, near future and and, and and more extended out future about how big I want to get. And I don't want to be that huge. I don't need to be. We've had these conversations about my ideas of success and it's not all monetarily fueled. I'm already at a place where I like the rate that I'm growing at and I'm just going to continue on this. And when it gets out of control, I'll have to reassess the situation. But the only way that I'm going to be able to grow and the the financial side of it, as well as stay in control, is the books just got to get bigger. 
quite frankly, I'm going to I'm going to work actively towards um, um, catering to and 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 not just catering to, but um, creating a community of of larger spenders as well. I want to sell a book for a quarter million dollars soon, you know, and um, I'm going to do it with the same level of detail that I do a $250 book. And it's going to take me the same amount of time to have that phone call and that conversation. But that's how I'm going to scale. I'm not going to scale the amount of books. Just from time to time, I'm going to sell something really expensive. You're probably going to have to learn a little bit about the Silver Age and Golden Age to pull that one off. Exactly. And that is beautiful. When you get a chance to listen to It's Not Out Yet, the episode coming out on the NSDC podcast, Doom Card, Sergio, Monster and Iron Mask, Elusive. Please do not hate me if I got the actual initials of the podcast and the YouTube (laughs) show wrong. Okay. But Dave, when that episode of Our Friends comes out, that's exactly the conversation I had on the episode. I said, no, I have ambitions to grow and I do have ambitions to get into Silver Age, Bronze Age and Gold Age, uh, Golden Age and Bronze Age or Silver Age and Golden Age. But before I do that, I've got a lot to learn because when you're talking about if I'm going to buy a $30,000 raw and I don't have a clue if the staples have been replaced, if the cover's been yeah. married, like I've got a lot to learn. That's a far cry from a Malibu Sun 13, I tell you. Well, you could start by watching every episode I ever put on YouTube so that you can learn a little more about comics in that era. Isn't it cool that I have friends that could help me on this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we're here for. That's what, that's what the point of friends are. In any yeah. case, yeah. You know, you, you can get greedy and just want to grow, but I don't want to do it at the cost of the integrity of the service that I provide. I just won't. I echo those sentiments. I, I struggle sometimes thinking about how this business of mine is going to grow and what it's going to become. And I shudder to think having to deal with an employee possibly Mm -hmm. because then I have to literally have that person become me because I'm so hands-on in this. I do everything, everything. I have the helping hand of a graphic designer, but when it comes to the selling of the books, there's nobody that does what I do Yeah, and nobody can. And it's funny, me and Maddie we we commiserate on this a lot. Me and you commiserate on this a lot. And the problem is, I'm 800 miles from you. We're both, you know, 2,800 miles from him. If we all lived in the same area, we could create an amazing. And I use the term not in a negative way, mm-hmm. but we can create an amazing empire together. Yeah, you know, three could. people that really care about everything that they sell, how they sell it, how they treat people. And what product leaves their hands to that person? A thousand percent. And can you imagine our podcasts would be the kind where we're all sitting in the same room just with a different mic at us? Man, holy crap. We're we're recording time. We're at 90 minutes. Uh, what people hear this episode is probably going to be closer to 75, 80. But for two people that didn't have an idea <laughs> what we were going to talk about when we started, this was a, this was a great chat. This was good. This was so perfect because after the the energy of the episode that actually came out this morning, mm-hmm. the day that we're recording, the hustle episode, this is it's informative. There's value in this conversation. Well, for me, there is just to just to say some of these things, but yeah, this is this was a lot of fun. I do want to ask our friends, our listeners, our subscribers, please give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. If it allows that, it helps to push it out to people that do not know us and it will get us new subscribers. And the more subscribers we have, the more free things that you might win. I don't know. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. 
this has just been such a fantastic way to celebrate our 10th episode together. I'm I'm so excited for what the future holds because I don't know what the future holds for this. Right. Nor do I. And I'm excited to find out. Thank you, friends. I actually heard from Bob Hall right as we finished recording this. So the interview went as planned. As per usual, my friends, if you're looking for Manu... You can find me on Instagram at the 9.9 Newsstand. And if you're looking for Dave, you can find him on Instagram and on YouTube at West Coast Avengers. And if you're looking for the podcast Instagram page, we'd love for you to find that as well. And that's It Came From The Newsstand. And this has been another episode of It Came From The Newsstand. Whee! <laughs> it takes three to make a thing go right. You, I have friends. <laughs>